0: i so awesome.
1: welcome back to the crossover podcast the show where you get comics and you get sports and it's going to be a big comics day because we are doing our big spider-man homecoming review for this particular episode joining me today the man in the chair kevin miller how's it going kevin
0: pretty well thank you
1: also joining us today we got a little trifecta of, of spidey fans going on today kb is here kyle brown welcome back kb
2: Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Love Spider Man. Oh, yeah, give me a title. I was
0: hoping you call him the friendly neighborhood KB. The friendly neighborhood
1: <laughs> KB. All right, there it is. Done and done. Um, yeah, I had to bring KB on. Uh, biggest Spider Man fan I know. Um, I kind of fall out. Like most people, I think in our age bracket, you kind of as you get older, you kind of fall out of love with Spider Man, right? Like he tends to be your favorite guy when you're a teenager, just like him, and then you get a little bit older, you kind of gravitate to. You know, the Batmans, the Ironmans, the, the characters who are a little bit older along with you as well. But you always maintain your... You never forget your first, right? And and you, you always maintain the love for the Spider-Man. And I'll tell you, when, when the Marvel symbol came up and it started playing that kind of techno version of the Spider-Man, the old school 1960s Spider-Man animated song... Man, like I, I got nostalgia goosebumps right then and there, and I was like, okay, I'm in. Here we go. Spider-Man Homecoming. Let's do it.
0: I'm a little embarrassed to admit how long it took me to recognize that music. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Like...
2: I did, and I'm like, oh, I feel like an idiot. But okay, well, I'm in. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. I, I think it's the most recognizable superhero song. There is, a, there isn't another superhero song that everyone knows that ever, like even people who don't know who Spider Man really is, they know the song. It's the most iconic superhero song there is.
0: I, I and, the, the only one that's close, I think, is Batman sixty six. Yeah,
1: like <laughs> like people remember, you know, do na 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 Batman. Most of I'd say that the Spider Man one is helped by the fact that the original sixty one actually had lyrics, like catchy, catchy, incredible lyrics, like think of the 90s batman the, like the 90s spider-man animated series is you know they like kind of had had that really crappy theme music i don't care like i love that 90s animated theme music and everybody from our <laughs> age bracket who loved that show needs to to just admit that that was a terrible theme that weird like wang a, wang a spider warrior that was awful um the like the it x-men very,
2: it's very 90s it's very telling yeah. of the 90s but because we're 90s kids i love it i love yeah. it so much
1: dad oh, we need we need to we need to have her, like... like
2: one of those that you get
0: you get the you know X-Men <laughs> Yeah, like I was just yeah, going to say the X-Men actually, one is
1: much very better.
2: Similar, very similar.
1: But the it X-Men was... one is much better though cuz you yeah, you just hear that din and it's like god that's awesome. Like that one's just yeah, that one blows it out of the water and even like the Batman animated series that had the like, you know,
2: Danny Elfman like <laughs> Oh, well you can you can't really compare <laughs> it the DC ones. They, those are very epic instrumental, like, the JLA and the JLU ones are just, like, they pump you up, they're like, this is the JLU, go, go, go kind of thing, and you're, it's very patriotic-sounding.
1: But you get, like, you get everything you need to know about that 90s, like, everything you need to know about that 90s Batman show you get in that opening sequence where the guys are, like, robbing the bank, and then they somehow get on the rooftop, even though the, you know, roof was, like... 90 <laughs> floors, or if whatever it was. I've
0: never heard of Batman before. You already understand what this
1: exactly. shows exactly. <laughs> and then you just, oh, yeah. just that that awesome Elfman theme that they use because they, they took it from the, the 1989 Batman, right? Because it was just like, you know, the da, na, 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 like, just oh god, so good. Like, Elfman knocked it out of the park with that one. And yeah, but like that, that Spider Man, just that 60s theme, so fantastic. Everybody knows those lyrics. I would. Put that, even now to this day, I think, like, that Spider-Man 1960 theme, I think, makes, like, the all-time... It probably cracks the top ten of, like, all-time TV show theme musics that everybody knows the lyrics to. Like, I mean... Three's Companies probably up there. Like, everybody remembers that theme. And, like, Fresh Prince is a big one for our generation. And I guess for, like, you know, for some of the millennials, everybody probably knows, like, the SpongeBob SquarePants theme and stuff like that. But that <laughs> 60s Spider-Man is right up there, right?
2: Absolutely. Oh, exactly. I mean, a little, little nostalgia. We used to have a band come in at my elementary school, and <laughs> they would cover the Spider-Man theme. Everyone knew what it was.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The 60s one, not the techno 90s one but every year once a year we get that band come in and they do that cover and you're just <laughs> like yep Spider-Man love that guy
0: <laughs> well at the beginning of the first Iron Man movie when he's in the casino they have like the big band music playing the Iron Man theme too which yeah. is somehow recognized despite having never seen that show. <laughs> <laughs> that one I think the man did Iron Man get two
1: seasons? I know it got one there was a slew of basically the success of the 90s Spider-Man and the 90s x-men led to them just trying everything else basically basically they tried to create their own like it was like the marvel animated universe right where it's like we had the yeah because they tried so what
2: dc was doing with the jla and the jlu there was an avengers cartoon it Mm -hmm. was not that great they lived in a house there was hawkeye there and you know and it they I'm pretty sure that animated series has Ant Man as the frontman for the Avengers. And it was I was just like, Ant Man's garbage. Where and they they have pictures of the Hulk and Captain America and Spider Man on the wall. Like these are previous Avengers. I'm like, give me those ones. I don't want Ant Man. I don't want a Wasp Girl. But yeah, it, it failed a bit, but what can you do? I mean, you can't beat the D C animated universe. It's head over heels the best universe. Between the two. Eight. Yeah.
1: And, but it's just I remember the nineties, like basically there was like one or two seasons of the Iron of an Iron Man show. There was like ten episodes of a Silver Surfer show. I think there was oh, a that fa- was
2: so bad. So bad. Yeah, there Silver was a fa- there was
1: a Fantastic Four one that I think only lasted a season, and they tried to spin that spin that off of the yeah. Spider Man show too. Silver
2: Surfer was bad because it came on I think right either before or right after Spawn. Yeah. And
1: it was
2: just not, it didn't live up it was trying to be a little bit edgy and a little bit older oh, audience
1: that, that... and
2: it was in, it was in between the 90s spider-man and spawn and it just it didn't work it didn't work at all
1: that 90s one of the, uh, let's put a pin in that 90s spawn show because we we need to go back and have like an do like a nostalgia critic type you know TM oh, but please we need please to do it. we, we need, that we need to do a nostalgia so critic much. episode on because that show i loved it love love loved it thought it was the greatest thing in the world doesn't hold up <laughs> it does not hold up that 90s that 90s spawn and todd McFarlane doing the little interstitials before every episode stuff yeah we need to go back but anyway well that's for that's another podcast for another day
0: way off topic
1: <laughs> spider-man homecoming well we just drifted back we're just getting a sense of the spider-man and the and where, where we came from we got to get our own spider history uh uh, sorted out before we, we you know, you got to learn where you came from to figure out where you're going. And Spider Man Homecoming, um, I just want to s- get from the jump. Let's start with Kevin.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Overall, just Im- impressions of the film. How did you feel coming out of Spider Man Homecoming?
0: Um, I felt like it was uh, like. 80s early 90s teen movie meets mcu in absolutely a very way. it was it, was, it
2: like, was yeah i've
0: heard it described i I've, I've looked up a couple uh you know what people are saying about it ever since I, I i watched it last night and i've heard the phrase you know mcu by way of john hughes and that seems pretty yeah, accurate it was uh,
1: like i i walked out and i remember turning to my wife and i said it was basically the breakfast club but with like it was basically the breakfast club but with a guy in a in a super suit Right down to the point with like right right down to Zendaya playing the Ali Sheedy role right where she's just like <laughs> sitting in detention for no reason in the one episode just or in the one part just sketching stuff right like she she was absolutely in the in the the, she the Ali Sheedy have to role.
0: Say anything to make me laugh.
1: No, that she was. <sighs> this is kind of an odd like she was basically andrew miller in this where andrew miller is basically the greatest relief pitcher in baseball right now and you can bring him in in any situation that was basically what zendaya did in this movie was just show up for just show up in high leverage situations and just be awesome right
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah it just just throw heat and then and then got it done um yeah but it, my
0: favorite instant of which i'm just gonna go ahead and say right now was when they're at the homecoming dance and she's just like hey a big smile and i'm gonna flip you the bird for no reason <laughs> yeah
1: it's
0: just yeah it's like, oh,
1: okay And it was just like yeah it, it was it was absolutely in the vein of those old school john hughes 16 candles pretty in pink breakfast club 80s feel and it, it, it was kind of consistent with the theme of of Movies we've got, now I realize uh, this is a Fox movie, but Logan basically did, like, a Western superhero movie amalgamation, right? And this this was basically the 80s high school teen romp superhero amalgamation, and...
0: Well, you're right, right? Because like the, the the comparison that makes itself because it's right there in Logan is Shane. Like that's yeah. the movie it is, right? Mm-hmm. This is basically somewhere between Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller. Yeah,
1: to the point where they have an overt Ferris Bueller reference right in the middle of the film, right? Like it shows. Like
0: and, and also, I mean, <laughs> if you're paying attention, right at the very end of the film, too.
1: Yeah. By the way, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> we're we're going to be spoiling spoiling <laughs> oh, the hell. I I don't think we've given away anything serious. Uh, but from here on out, uh, spoiler alert, it is the Spider-Man Homecoming review. And, uh, yeah. So, what did you think? What were your overall impressions of Spider-Man Homecoming, KB?
2: So, you know that meme with the little baby giving the fist pump? Like, yes. Yeah. That 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 was my reaction. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was my reaction to this movie. Um, as I've said before, I'm a huge 90s Spider-Man fan. I grew up with Spider-Man. For me, he's the face of Marvel. And I had such high hopes after watching Civil War because they got him perfect. He was witty. He was sarcastic. He was in like he was about to get punched in the face, and he was making fun of people. And they got never, him perfect stopped again. Talking.
3: <laughs> they got
2: him perfect again. He, that's Spider Man. I know and love the character was perfect in this movie to a T. Perfect. And that was what I, I wanted so bad from the Tobey Maguires, from the Andrew Garfields, and they didn't get it. But the Tom Holland Spider-Man for me is the best Spider-Man on film that we have seen. And I was so happy.
1: I I, I, I think I agree. I think I agree with the most part. For, for me, I think, here's, here's, here's how I categorize it. I think this is the best Spider-Man movie that we've got, of the six we've got. I think this is the best one wire to wire. That said, I still think the best sequence in the history of all the Spider-Man movies is the subway train stopping sequence in Spider-Man Two and in the, in the Sam Raimi Two with the Doc Ock. Am I am I which, off base making which, that claim? Which they
2: tried, which they tried to go for with the boat split scene.
1: Yeah, I still in don't know one? which was a good scene. I still don't know why they gave away the the ending of that of the ferry sequence in the trailers with uh,
3: yeah,
1: Iron Man coming and, and having all of his suits put the ship back together. I, I, for the life of me, I don't know why they gave away that ferry sequence in, in the trailers. Because it was a really good sequence.
0: Well, I actually thought that they were kind of paying... Uh... A homage to the uh, train scene in Spider Man Two. Yeah, uh, at the at the very beginning like not even with the ferry scene, like in the very beginning, which is like him going around after school and fixing what petty crimes it he can. And yeah, at one point just like riding on the back of a train, like eating a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like all right. Uh, I was
1: <laughs> a, yeah, I was okay with it. Like I, yeah, when he was like riding on the subway train eating the sandwich, I was just like, I was afraid it was gonna dip a little too into the Deadpool for me, but uh, thankfully it. it it didn't go down like that.
0: Oh, no, but you got the impression, like, this is a kid who doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Like, he wants to fight crime, but, like, the, the you know, he, with the best of intentions, often making mistakes and <laughs> stuff like that. Right? Like, there's the bit where, like, the, he thinks the guy's, like, breaking into the car, but it's his
2: own car, and then all the neighbors start yelling at him because it's Queens. and
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what was your... Go ahead. I don't want to step on your toes or anything, but I no. think that was one of the strongest points of this movie is that there was no origin story. Yeah. You didn't have like, to see the radioactive spider bite Spider Man. Like they, he says it Spider bit me. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and you <laughs> see him develop then... <laughs> as a young Spider Man in his neighborhood d- starting out. Like, you don't. Ugh, it's just so yeah. refreshing to not see an origin story in yeah, a reboot. Because yeah. this movie, almost exactly as it is, could have been Spider-Man Two, right? They
0: Absolutely. Could have been a whole other origin movie, and they chose not to, and I kind of appreciate it. Oh,
1: I I vehemently agree with the with the note because I've been. You guys know me. Like, obviously, I didn't have a podcast, but for you guys having known me for many many years, I've been can you can attest to the fact that I've been screaming for years if you're going to do a Spider-Man movie fucking make a movie where he's 90% but where it's like 80% Spider-Man because nobody gives a crap. Like, you just want to see him be Spider-Man, right? Like, you want to see him swinging around from the buildings. You want to see him doing, you know, making goofy, you know, jokes at the bad guys who are when he's in while he's fighting them and stuff. You want, you want to see him in the suit. You want to see him which is, I, to me, like I mentioned that I still think the best sequence in any Spider-Man movie of the six is the elevated train sequence. The one thing that sucks about that scene is Tobey Maguire takes the mask off during that sequence. And that was the thing, that was the thing that just plagued the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans was for some reason, they always felt like, I guess it was cause they paid Tony McGuire all this fucking money. So they were just like, you know, take the mask off so we can see his face and stuff. Right. Cause there yeah. is that one sequence in the very first one where, uh, Willem Dafoe, who, again, th- that was an interesting choice to give Willem Dafoe, who has, like, a creepy kind of face to begin with, you could have just given him, like... You could have just, like, painted his face green and then just had it be Willem Dafoe's face as the Green Goblin. Instead, they put this, like, weird mask on him. So there was the one sequence where... uh, His green... Where the the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin had drugged Spider-Man and put him on the roof. And he was just like, You should join me, Spider-Man! But, like... Tommy Maguire still had the mask on, and Willem Dafoe, and it probably wasn't them in this scene. They probably just went and voiced this over in a booth somewhere. But like, oh, yeah. it did just look like two action figures talking to each other because they <laughs> both had these masks on. And yeah, and I, I was just like, yeah, it's just that the Tommy McGuire taking the mask off constantly it like did ruin that sequence. And I didn't feel like they did that a lot in 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 this movie. With there were
0: lots scenes where he was like pulling his mask off like after he would take like a particularly bad fall or something like that yeah but, like and and to the credit like there is the super tense kind of big twist scene towards like the beginning of the third act where you know the villain does figure out that he's Spider-Man but it's not because like he sees him take his mask off as Spider-Man he just figures it out
1: which I had a little I, I mean you're right. Uh, basically, Michael Keaton answering the door as, um, Liz, as Liz's father. That basically marks the beginning of the third act, right? Yeah. And I thought that was great. I actually didn't see that twist coming. Probably should have. I'm sure. That was a great
2: twist.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. A few my others... wife,
2: my wife actually turned to me and she's like, "You totally saw that coming, right?" I'm like, "No, I actually didn't." I no, no clue. I, Yeah, no. I gasped.
1: Yeah, that one. That yeah, a few people in my th- in my theater gasped gasp too. Um, I didn't go that far, but I was like, "Ooh, that's good." Where it was, just, although at the same time, it's like that's the thing that has plagued the Spider-Man movies is that, or the, like just the Spider-Man movies in general, and maybe just Spider-Man as a character, where like all of his bad guys are inherently related to him in some sort of way. It, like it just it just can't be some guy who has nothing to do with him and is just a bad guy, right? It's always got to be like you know, his former high school compatriot or a guy he worked with or, like, his uncle or something like that is, is the <laughs> whoa, bad guy. Whoa,
2: whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uncle Ben is the only person in the entire <laughs> yeah. Marvel Universe who's stayed dead. Let's not say Uncle That's true.
1: Yeah, unless you're Martha and Thomas Wayne or uh, Uncle Ben, you you don't ever get to come back. You, 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 you're the I'm only people say, who I never did, get to come they back. have a
0: wonderful red hood, did
1: they? Yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, I didn't, uh, I did enjoy that, that, that drive sequence is actually one of the best sequences, but I was a little bit, I I thought it was a little bit weird that, and I I realized we have to do it because we have to have a movie, but I thought it was a little weird that the vulture was just like, huh, there's these two things that point to maybe this kid, maybe this 15 year old kid who my daughter is dating might be Spider-Man. And he just kind of like he's like piecing it together, and you know Michael Keaton's a great fucking actor, and the, and the, just that whole sequence was fucking was was great. One of the best sequences in the movie that driving to prom scene and the whole scene when he parks and he goes like, "I'm gonna have the dad talk. You go on in, right to his
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> to his daughter. It was brilliant, <laughs> brilliant line. And then he fucking sold it with the you know like I'll kill you and everyone you care about line. It was so good.
0: But I will like, but I will kill you.
1: Yeah, it was just like to me, I was just like these two semi-coincidental things point to you that maybe this 15-year-old kid in the back of your car is Spider-Man and you just immediately take it as gospel and then threaten him right it like to me I was just like really you don't have that one seed of doubt where you're just like no no way no way this 15-year-old kid is Spider-Man right like it was just because it wasn't damning evidence it was spider semi-coincidental, but, like, it is one of those things where, like, if I was Michael Keaton in that situation, I, I would have been, like, doing the same thing where I'd be like, oh, that's weird that he was, you know, doing this and doing that and, like, maybe... I'd be like, is he Spider-Man? No, he's just, like, a 15-year-old kid. There's no way he's Spider-Man. But he could be. But he's not. Should I say something? I mean, I'm the vulture. Should I let him know that I know he's Spider-Man? I'd be like, nah. You know, like, I don't know. I, I just... And I realize it's you have to do that because you have to have a movie, but at the same time, I just thought it was just a slight stretch, and I don't think I'm off base thinking thinking that.
0: Yeah, it's a good amount of coincidence, but I still really like that scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to take anything away
1: from the scene because uh, it was fucking fantastic, and Keaton, again, incredible as always. But like I said, it was just a little bit... Uh,
0: yeah, I, like it was kind of fun because, like, you know, at the beginning of the scene before Keaton like suspects anything, he's still like putting the screws to Peter in sort of a prom, yeah. day, dad sort of way. Like he's like, yeah, asking questions like you know about you know his daughter and stuff like that. He's got like the big knife in his, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's definitely leaning on him a little bit. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, but like Peter's extra nervous because obviously he knows who this guy is
1: yeah and uh Garcel Bouvet or Bouveau, I don't know how to pronounce her last name from the old Jamie Foxx show was was his wife in that show and I was just like, oh from the uh... yeah, it's good uh, man um so what was your favorite uh, sequence in that like what was your favorite scene in this kB uh,
2: uh, it's so hard I like the whole movie. I like the uh, the scene where he just unlocked his whole suit and was struggling with the different web settings. <laughs> I thought that was that was cute, um, the way they did that. Um, yeah, and I mean, my the scene I didn't like at all really was the last battle scene because it was a bit too CG and it was yeah Bay ish for the, me. The
1: action sequences were a little weak in this. That that was that's the weak. Like if you're gonna poke holes at this movie, the action sequences are a little weak. But that's... yeah,
2: I mean, I think you know, I, it's between between for me the scene where he's figuring out the unlocked suit and the uh, fairy scene my two favorites
0: it's it's tricky because I kind of agree with Matt where like a, I feel like a lot of the action scenes work like the sort of incidental ones but like the big set piece ones kind mm-hmm. of miss the mark for me a little bit
1: yeah I think so, that's so, the one thing if you really want to like poke holes in, in in what what I think is a, a really good superhero film.
0: Like, is, my favorite the action scene is probably the one at the Washington Monument. Yeah.
1: The... That won't
0: work for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, my favorite moment, and it has nothing to do with anything, and and this is just me, and for some reason... We, we might have the same, actually, but for, go ahead. For some reason, I always find this hilarious. Whenever things are incredibly small in frame... And just running around, and for, s- <laughs> for some reason, that is fucking hilarious to me. Because and it yeah. goes back to like when, when we did our Lego Batman pod. I think uh, Miller, you were on for that one, and I yeah. talked about my favorite moment where I just laughed so hard, and I was the only person in the, in the theater just laughing my ass off at this scene. Oh, and... Yeah, and if you haven't seen if if you haven't seen Lego Batman, there's just this won't spoil any of the movie, but there's this scene where Batman and Robin are breaking into the Fortress of Solitude, and basically it just shows Lego Robin very small in frame, like we're zoomed out showing the door of the Fortress of Solitude, and just the Robin character is very small in frame, and then you just have Michael Sarah in a in a voiceover booth somewhere just making noises like ha, 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 as he's like <laughs> jumping around and then he just starts doing the worm on like the top of the fortress of salt and it goes back to South Park too because South Park used to always do that where like
0: <laughs>
1: yeah yeah like Cartman Cartman was f- always f- just so fucking hilarious when he was just in very small in frame running around like specifically I know like the the really good Russell Crowe yeah the Russell Crowe episode where he's just like ah, oh god I dropped the donut and he has to like run <laughs> back the scene in this movie and this is a thing among Spider-Man fans that has always been kind of fun where or you know spider-man fans have always we've always asked but we've never really requested an answer because it's one of those comic book things that you just go with like you yeah. know why does the hulk's pants stay on and it's you know when he hulks up and it's like the answer is purely because they don't want to draw well,
0: hulk because uh, they don't want to draw giant green dick on yeah exactly pants. you <laughs> don't want to draw
1: d- giant green penises so it's always been like well how does spider-man get to queens from queens to manhattan right because there's no giant buildings so, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so like a lot of the times it just they just show him they just draw it where and they did this a lot in the Spider-Man animated series where there were trees tall enough for him to get there to get to like a bridge and then he could swing on a bridge and then he eventually just got to Manhattan, right? And and he would just be swinging around the giant buildings in Manhattan. So they actually address this where he's at the high school party. And he hears some explosion. And he's like, oh, I'll better go check that out. <laughs> he drives the web That's to it. But there's nothing there.
0: It's like a <laughs> golf course. <laughs> yeah, you
1: just get a wide shot. And there's <laughs> nothing on screen for like like two seconds and then from the right side of the screen just he's small in frame Spider-Man something. sprinting at full speed just uh, 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 this sucks, yeah, like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah and he just goes this sucks and it just like he just goes from one side of the screen to the other and for some reason like that just shit like that just things running really quickly in small in frame to me is always fucking hilarious like that's a joke that will never get old to me and like I as long as I live, every time I see Michael Sarah's Robin doing the worm on top of the fortress of Solitude, any time I see Cartman running and then forgetting a donut and then running back. The same thing Anytime I see Tom Holland Spider-Man or whoever Was in the suit For that particular shot Just in a dead sprint Across a golf
0: course
1: Trying to save crime Because he's got Nothing to swing on I will laugh at that For the Every time I see that For the rest of my life I will absolutely Laugh at that shot Yeah Like just Absolutely brilliantly Framed by
0: everybody Uh, If if I can sag Directly from that Pierce To my favorite scenes Because there were Also the ones That subverted The comic trope uh my probably number one favorite scene is um when he is tracking down the vulture by way of aaron davis played by donald glover yeah and prowler uh, his is like oh you know we can go we can uh turn on interrogation mode he's like yeah okay and i'm like oh it's gonna be the growly voice
1: <laughs> yeah and he did the the batman oh, voice i'm or... not
0: a girl i'm a boy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Donald Glover just does not give a shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's just, like, talking about, like, where they get their sandwiches. Like, nah, they have too much bread. I like bread. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, they have the best <laughs> sandwiches a man had. For two hours, I got ice cream in the trunk. <laughs> yeah. so like, you're a bad
1: guy. You deserve this. And, like, Donald Glover's character, well, like, he had one of the best lines, too, when they were showing the, uh... <laughs> when they were showing, like, the, off those, like, weird high-tech guns, and he's, like... Yeah, like the gravity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's, like, guys, I just want to take somebody out. not send them back in time. Like, he's just <laughs> looking for a... Hey, the
0: thing, lower key, don't try to up me. I'm not trying to shoot anyone back in time. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's just got... He's just looking for a heater, right? And he's just, like... He's just, like, I need just a heater, and <laughs> you're selling me this thing. It's, like, oh, it's hilarious. And his character, like, um... Aaron Davis is a character in the Ultimate Spider-Man. He's the Prowler, and I'm pretty sure I didn't quite catch it, but when they brought up his like criminal profile or whatever in the uh, the in the Jennifer Connelly Spy- uh, Iron Man Spider-Man suit, which we'll get to that in a second because I want to talk about that. I think it yep. said it said like AKA the Prowler, and he mentioned you know he had the one line where he said, you know, I got a nephew who lives around here, which is a direct reference to. The Miles Morales Spider-Man that Donald Glover, you know, tried
0: was to was thought to be cast for. Yeah, was
1: thought to be cast for back before when they were trying to come up with a new Spider-Man, and and it, that we know wound up being Andrew Garfield. Um, how did you feel about the Iron Manization of the Spidey suit, KB, in this movie? How did it work for you?
2: Um, I mean. It's a throw to him eventually getting the Iron Spider suit, which is fine. Which they tease a little at the end,
1: although it yeah, looked, it looked more like
2: a at the end. It looks a lot different. Well, look I mean, more like the miles.
1: What... It looked more like the Miles Morales suit, which, if you could go back, is kind of fun because if we eventually get to the like when he turns down the suit, it's a little bit like, well, maybe that suits not for Spider. Maybe that suits not for Peter Parker. Right? Maybe it's for a different. Uh... Spider Man Yeah,
2: I mean, there's so many different iterations of the Spider-Man character, it doesn't bother me when they change something. Like, you've got Ben Reilly, you've
1: yeah, got ju- uh, Scarlet I...
2: Spider, yeah, you've got so many other Spider-Mans and clones and crazy stuff. If you want to take liberties with the suit, go ahead. I mean, the way they explain it in the original 90s one is, oh, I put a little different pressure and whatever and I get different webs okay, so now it's regulated by a computer. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. so much because he, he has the gadgets either way because he's a genius. Whether or not they give it to him because Iron Man decided to let him have it or he invents it on his own, it doesn't really bother me that much. Like, if you watch the 90s show, he throws spider trackers all over the place. Yeah. And you're just like, well, how are you getting the money for this, like, nanotech spider tracker yeah, that's going on? That's true. Well, I, I kind of so, like that as as sort of
0: a, a uh, sort of a plot point of this movie. Like, I, I felt like it worked because it wasn't the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we see him in like the the Spider-Man costume that he had in Civil War, um, which he then unlocks like in the second act with the uh, AI and everything. Like, they take it off training wheel mode or whatever. Um, and it gets like all these sort of gadgets and stuff like that. And eventually he has to go back to wearing like his hoodie and stuff, like hoodie and track pants that he had, on. <laughs> which is, which makes it work for me because it was sort of like his way to sort of make it work on his own without Tony's help. Um, and he got as far as he did, like he got in one could say, and Tony would say he got in too deep by sort of using that help and had it taken away. Um, but by making him sort of, claw his way back up onto his own feet, we sort of can get that character progression. I'd be interested to see in the inevitable Spider-Man standalone sequel that we get in like three years or something um, where he's been like, okay, well now I've got like this slightly upgraded, but also homemade suit and I have like these tiny drones that maybe Ned helped me build. And like, he's sort of co-opting those ideas, but doing them on his own. And maybe even sort of doing some things that Tony didn't think of and, and showing his ingenuity that way. Because well, what we get from this character not having an origin story is that he was already doing it, right? Before Tony came along, he already had his own web slingers. We, we know he can do it. There's even a quick scene of him like mixing chemicals together in chemistry class, right? Yeah. We, we kind of get all parts of it and it's not just like, well, I have superpowers and then also Tony Stark bought me a super suit. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and that's the origin story that's not the origin story. You get to see him with the suit and, like, the Spider-Man that they want him to be. And then they take it away and, like, hey, this is originally what he did. This is him. This is base Spider-Man on web-slingers and just power, like, his regular powers. hmm And it, it worked really well that way without having the origin story, again, the biggest point of this movie is they didn't show him getting his powers. Yeah. Learning to use them. Like he already knows how to use them. It's just refining it's, them and becoming the Spider-Man that he wants to be. And I think it, that's one of the strengths of the movie.
0: It's a great example of showing instead of telling. Yeah. Which is <laughs> always, 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 always appreciated. There's, there's two like quick throwaway lines of, I was bitten by a spider – and something tragic happened to Aunt May a while back. <laughs> you yeah. Know? That's all we need.
1: And it was just like, yeah, just not telling the origin story was something you guys know I've been bitching about for years. Because it, like, if you can show me the person who doesn't know how Spider-Man got his powers, then I'll show you a person who doesn't own a cell phone in 2017, right? And it's just, I mean, I don't blame the Sam. Like, the Sam Raimi for, for the era had to do it, I think. Because that's just the way comic book movies of that era worked. You had to do the origin story. Always had to do the yes. origin story. The Andrew Garfield one, The Amazing Spider-Man, I think is a bit more inexcusable as to why they went back and showed him getting bit by the spider again. It just it, it was so hackneyed and unnecessary and a waste of time. And And at that point, we had already suffered through... Not suffered, but we'd already been through three Spider-Man movies. We definitely suffered through the third one, the Spider-Man 3, <laughs> Sam Raimi one, which just development hell ended up creating that mess of crap. And we were just like, all right, let's see Spider-Man be Spider-Man. And, and it's like, really? We're sitting here, we're watching him flirt with Emma Stone. And and he's... Uncle. You know, we got to watch uh, Martin Sheen die as Uncle Ben again. And, and we got to watch him get bit by the spider. And it's like, come on, just fucking get to it. Like get to be oh, in I Spider-Man. Know. Yeah. It's like, just get to be in Spider-Man. And they did that in this movie, which is, was, was, you know, excellent. Cause that's really what you want to be. It was just funny though, that you mentioned KB about, they found a good way to do the, uh, the web shooters. And now, you know, they added stuff too, where he had like taser webs and web grenades and stuff. Cause like, it, it, the way they used to always frame it in the comics a little bit and in, the ninety they did this in the nineties animated series a lot where Spider-Man could do stuff with the webs, but he would have to be very conscious that he was doing it. Like there were a couple times in the nineties animated series where he'd be like falling from a plane and or be falling from something and there'd be no buildings and he would be like what the hell can I do and he would use his webs to like form like a makeshift parachute
2: parachute and in yeah. the 60's version I mean he's making shit like internal combustion engine
1: oh god <laughs> the, the 90's Spider-Man one of my favorite moments of because the, the 90's Spider-Man literally all he had to do was go it was just do the 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 you know he would just make the friggin hookem horn symbol and it would go and then whatever like the web the web would just come out and form whatever Spider Man needed to be my favorite one of the sixties one which was hilarious was there was like a ghost pirate or a pirate ghost or something or or just a guy in a ghost in a pirate outfit with a sword attacking it's him. Stupid crossover. Uh, yeah, this more or less because it wasn't one of his traditional villains. It was just some guy with a pirate motif was attacking him and that's and he had a pirate sword and then Spidey just went uh-oh and went swoop with this thing and his web just magically fo- without him like making any sort of hand motion or anything it just magically formed into a spider web pirate sword and he the just cutlass. started yeah it just formed into a cutlass and he started <laughs> he started just like yeah just yeah. Fat, fencing basically with the pirate guy and they did shit like that all the time in the 60s where he would just be like Oh, I need to pick this lock. Let me make like a toothpick with my web thing and
0: then pick yeah. it. Yeah. And it just I went know, on were, like that. I have no idea if it's real or if it was like a fever dream, but I have this image in my head of him in like a web helicopter at some point. <laughs> that wouldn't
1: surprise <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me if in the if in the sixties if they did that I'm In, sure the, it in, happened old, in the old Spidey. Oh man. I mean, uh
0: have some fun with that too, where like he's like trapped in the uh, the damage control uh, Oh, fuck. Well, fuck. We'll get to damage control in a second.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. The hammock and the uh, just sitting there going like, "Well, got to science my way to this one." And he was talk- talking to it because I—do you guys know? Jennifer Conley was doing the voice of the uh, the suit. Yeah, which I thought I,
2: was. I just learned that when I uh, read the IMDb.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's actually quite meta because she's married to Paul uh, Bitney or Betney. I'm not sure. The guy right. who plays Vision, who was originally Jarvis, right? So. Now they're the real life husband wife team who have voiced uh, various Stark AIs. <laughs> yeah, Stark AIs through in the uh, in the MCU is very good. And Jennifer Conley was in the uh, she she was in the uh, the Ed Norton Hulk too, which is kind of the forgotten movie in the MCU, and I still don't know why. I'm still waiting is for people to Conley the
0: Ed Norton Hulk.
1: Yeah, wasn't she? Uh...
0: What's her face? Uh, she was
1: Betty Ross. Yeah, she's Betty Ross. No, was no, no that
0: was uh, that was what's her face from uh, that was Liv Tyler. Oh yeah, you're right. No. oh sorry,
2: was she in the Ang Lee Hulk? Yeah. Maybe Je- I
0: haven't seen that one. Was she, I think
1: yeah, I think you're uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, she's
2: was. in the she's in the Ang Lee Hulk as Betty Ross.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's less encouraging. Sorry, Jennifer Connelly. <laughs>
2: sorry, I tried
1: I tried to pull for you, but uh, yeah, you're right. She was she was in Ang Lee's Hulk. God, what a terrible movie. Someone correctly called that one sulk online. I don't remember who did. I wish I could I wish I could give you credit for that joke cuz that was fantastic. Um let's give Keaton his due.
2: Um excellent. Can we can we say Michael Keaton is the most underrated actor in Hollywood right now? I because he's blowing every single well, he... character he plays out of the water. Right well, he now.
1: disappeared for a while there. Right, he, he like, did.
2: He did, but he's coming back and he's showing everyone, like, "Hey, I'm still here. I'm still awesome. I can play whatever you want me to play." And it's just like to be fair. Before we watched this movie, my wife and I rented Spotlight and watched that, and he was amazing in that. And it's mm-hmm. just
1: well, he's never right not been go.
2: Right now, I see like if I were to rate top actors, Denzel number one. Michael Keaton's in the top five, somewhere up there.
1: But like, well, because there's a the thing. Like, if we were if we were to go back to the late '80s, early '90s, the like the, the I'd say the late '80s, early '90s, right up until the right up until about '96, '97. I think the argument for best actor in Hollywood was Michael Keaton versus Tom Hanks. I th- like I'm pretty sure that was the exact like like that was the exact argument. Like because like. Hanks was, was knocking it out in the park late eighties. And then Hanks kind of had that three year run that knocked Keaton down a peg. Cause Hanks had the, the three year run. What was it where he did, uh, forced, Gump. Gump, Gump, Apollo 13 and Philadelphia, right? Like yeah. that was, that was three years in a row. And he nearly went, he nearly went, if it wasn't for Spacey and usual suspects, I think he would have, he would have basically, uh, done three Pete for best. Gump, uh, yeah. He would have, he would have done the three Pete hat trick for best actor. And, but I mean like that, the late eighties when, when it was like Beetlejuice and, and he was getting Batman and, and, uh, and whatnot, man, like he was there and then he, he, yeah, he he did disappear for a little bit. I mean, he, he popped up here and there and like, uh, like he didn't completely disappear, but I mean, it was stuff like, like I'm looking at his IMDB right now and it was like, from like two th- from like 2002 to 2006, it's a little abysmal. Like he was in the fucking Herbie fully loaded movie with with like,
3: Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay
1: Lohan and shit like that, right? Just he basically popped up to remind people that he was still kind of. He's like, yeah, I'm Michael Keaton, and I'm still alive, and I'm not really doing anything, but I'm I'm here, and then. <laughs> But yeah, he basically announced his pre like he basically came back with Birdman, right? And then he's 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 been back ever since, and he's just been killing it. And I hope he keeps going. Maybe he just got burned out. You know, sometimes you just get burned out.
2: Yeah, you got to take. He was Ken in Toy Story three, apparently.
1: Yeah, and obviously he had that. He had like a couple of. He was in like Thirty Rocks one hundredth episode, and and he was he showed up and just started like. He's like, okay, I realize you guys have been around for a hundred episodes, but I'm going to be the best person in the hundredth
3: episode. And it was like <laughs> Michael
1: Keaton playing this janitor, and it was just like, oh my god, is my like, just well, he was. I forgot he, about that. <laughs> yeah, it was just anytime uh, he anytime he showed up, it was a delight. On like, he's think, never been bad. I think bad his in
2: low point his low point was in '98 when he was Jack Frost that. Yeah, uh, it was like a Disney at uh, Disney style movie.
1: That was one where, where he died and he came back as a snowman. He dies right? and he
2: comes back as a snowman.
1: Yeah, and then that, and that I think yeah that kind of began began the uh, the and then uh, he kind
2: of disappears like a that began the
1: yeah that began the downward spiral into him doing a lot of guest appearances in animated shows and the Herbie yeah. Fully Loaded type stuff, right? But eventually, like he was always a guy you 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 knew was coming back. I think. Michael Keaton, like you knew at some point he was coming back, and he basically has because he got his Oscar for Birdman, and he was fucking incredible in Birdman, and he was really good in this, basically playing a Birdman, and I really liked the the way they stylized him too with the uh, with the bomber jacket and the 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 flight goggles kind of a thing, and, and
2: it looked it looked very um, modernized version of Vulture, mm. which was which was good. I mean, the Vulture. Kind of has a weird mo in. Uh, Depends who's telling the, the story, right? Yeah. I and was I'd actually. Like...
0: Um... Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. I'm, I'm kind of done.
0: Uh, with with his performance in this, and it's sort of characterized by like him and his guys working in like this rundown warehouse, and like they're they're making trades at like, abandoned gas stations, and even like his high tech outfit is sort of completed with like his old bomber jacket and like you know off-the-shelf night vision goggles and stuff like that like no the, one of the like minor minor problems i i i feel like a theme that was dropped in this movie kind of halfway through was this sort of setup on both peter's side and adrian's side as like the blue color working guy in like a rich elite world mm-hmm. like they're both they're like he's specifically trying to fly like commit as much crime as possible but fly under the radar of the Avengers and of uh, damage control and so on um, where uh, and like you know every his whole motivation is that like they came in and are just basically ruining his lives because you know he's just a you know a Joe six pack trying to work day to day in like his you know in his uh, what some sort of construction or, or ammunition yeah. sort of job I'm not sure exactly how you would categorize that just sort of job but uh like, you know, that's that's his whole character motivation is he's sick of being trampled by the big guys and mm-hmm. he kinda wants to They're ninety nine percenters wants the little guys to stand up. And then yeah. Peter's whole thing is that, you know, he wants to be one of the big guys, but he's not allowed to be, and so he has to kind of work on the on that level despite the fact that he feels like he's ready for so much more. Like, there's a lot of parallels there that I feel like kind of went by the wayside towards the end of the movie. Like I was kind of wondering if, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would have done it differently, but. No, I, I, I think I, I agree with you in
1: terms of Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes thing where, he, yes, you're like, he's trying to do the thing where like you mentioned it, like they're committing crimes, but they're committing crimes on a very, cause like that was the thing, the, the central thing about this movie that made it very, very good. And it, it goes back to why I like very good. <laughs> That's why it's great. And, uh, like, <laughs> and, uh, I've always in, in my heart it's, it's one of the reasons I've always liked Batman is because Batman's always contextualized and a little bit smaller in scale. It's just kinda him and his bad guys in the city and yeah. whatnot. Well this
0: is one of the big points we had for like the first season of Daredevil too, yes, right? Where...
1: Absolutely. I was gonna this is exactly what I was gonna say. Go ahead.
0: No, no, continue.
1: Well no, I was just I was gonna say, like you, you you brought it up. I was gonna say the reason season one of Daredevil was so good is because it's basically him versus the Kingpin fighting over what, like four blocks of hell's kitchen and it has nothing to do with giant laser beams being you know opening wormholes in the sky and yeah. and and, we'll try
0: and do- dropping a continent on top of the world yeah
1: exactly it's got it's got nothing to do with that so it was it was very small and contextualized and it it, it just works like this these types of stories work so much better when they're self-contained and, and you, you get the stakes and you feel the stakes and you're like, okay, I know this person and if this person dies I'm going to be very upset as opposed to if I see like nameless hench like putty henchmen getting killed in, in giant space opera battles and stuff, right? and yeah.
0: the, the way that I like to think about it, especially having now seen this, is imagine, like remember how much fun we had in a bunch of incidental scenes with a bunch of characters who didn't even have names in Peter's school? Mm-hmm. like we had like the shot at the end where like the guy in the tiger mascot costume runs by we had that bit where like ned's talking to the guy in the chess club and he's like yeah you know? he's like oh you know chess just playing chess yeah it's, like we had the bits in like gym class and like imagine what would have happened if like the hulk fell on that school in in avengers yeah and and we didn't give it a second thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the people who are ground underneath the feet of people like the Chitauri and the Avengers and so on. And, yeah. uh, like, it's it's interesting to humanize them in a way that was pretty goddamn delightful.
1: Yeah, it was excellent. And I feel like your point of Michael Keaton's thing, Michael Keaton kind of, but I guess it kind of makes sense because he kind of abandons his thing, right? Where at the end he's like, because he basically does the classic and this is one of those movie. This is a movie where we mentioned a couple times where they've been subverting tropes for the most part. Yeah. But at the end, Michael Keaton does the. All right, guys, we're going to do the one big job. You know, we're going to do the big dirty, and then <laughs> and then we're and then we'll have made up enough money that we can retire forever. Right? This then, will be our
0: last job.
1: Yeah, they're like yeah. we just do the big job, and then once the big job's over, we retire forever, and and they do that sort of thing, right? Which, you know, those are classic storytelling devices that you, you for the oh, most part you can't avoid. Oh, but, with
0: the, that entire thing, right? The dude is talking about like the the high altitude vacuum seal for the entire movie, and we yeah, know that the it's tinkerer like a last resort act of desperation.
1: Yeah, and Spidey, yeah, like him trying to be part of the big world, like you mentioned, and then realizing he needs to just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I thought was actually, I mean, I guess to say I kind of disagree with the with your thought on that because I thought that they played it very perfectly where Spider-Man took the, where Iron Man took the suit away from him. And then he had to go back to the, uh, to his weird hoodie one. And
0: yeah, or the only part, and I agree with you. I -hmm. I, I like that. The only thing that I kind of wish that we got a bit more closure on is if we saw like that old white haired lady from like damage control present herself as a, that's yeah. As a, as a force again. Like Marie, in the same way that we kept seeing, like, you know, Happy Hogan and Iron Man kind of poking their heads in to see what was going on. Anne Marie
1: Hogue, the damage control, Marvel's blatant, blatant, just should be ashamed of themselves rip off of Amanda Waller that yeah. DC <laughs> created three years earlier. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, Marvel, like Black Cat, Marvel should be ashamed of. And Anne Marie Hogue, they should. Now. Damage Control is a very, very good run from the 1980s. I think it was 89 is when that started up. But man, did they look at Amanda Waller when Ostrander uh, created Amanda Waller in 86. And then three years later, Marvel uh, mysteriously had this Anne-Marie Hogue who was running Damage Control. Which is a delight of a series run, but man, that they should be... I mean, they should mostly be ashamed of themselves for Deadpool because he's the most blatant ripoff in the history of comic books. But like, yep. <laughs> Anne Marie Hogue is a fucking close close. I was about to say you're about to like
0: ignore Deadpool. Are you about to ignore? Uh, like, <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's,
1: that's yeah, that's Thanos. the most yeah. Thanos is Thanos is pretty bad. Uh, and and Marie Hog though, because it was just so blatant. It was just like let's just take that and do it in this thing, and it was like, oh. Oh, he was bad. But anyway, back to the Spider-Man point. Um, The thing of him wanting to be a big guy and then realizing kind of he's got to do it on his own and and keep it localized and, as they said, be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and when he beat the guy at the end and he left the note the, like, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man note. Oh, that, that
0: was perfect. That was yeah. so
2: perfect! Yeah, because yeah, fucking... it was
0: exactly from 66, right? It's like, I found, like, you know, one washed-up Sandman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It was like, like that. I found a vulture guy. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, like, when he buried him... And this is the best scene in the entire movie, and I don't think... I mean, people will argue for the fairy sequence, I think, but I, 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 to me, it's not even debatable. But when... Because it, it's a nod back to... One of, the greatest, one of the best ones of all time, Amazing Spider-Man 33, Steve Ditko classic, when he, when the Vulture buried him under that rubble and he had to summon all of his strength in order to lift it and get it off of him. Like, if, if you're listening to this right now and you can get on the internet on your phone or whatever in front of you, look up the cover to Amazing Spider-Man 33. One of the best all time, just an absolute Steve Ditko classic. You'll see where they got it from and it's just... That sequence of spider-man in the in in the freaking 60s or whenever spider-man 33 came out and him lifting the thing like you just they, they 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 lifted it directly from the pages and that whole like that was one of those like that was i fanboyed out easily like the the uh, we mentioned the opening credit spider-man song and then that when that was happening where he was buried under the rubble and he had to lift it up and like the water was like pouring on his face and stuff. I was just like
3: <gasps>
1: Right? Like it was it was a total fanboy freak out for me. It was it was it was fucking God, that was incredible. I, I, I loved that and it kind of upset me that we then just went into kind of a not great action sequence after that where they were on the ship or whatever. I mean there was some yeah. cool stuff, but for the most yeah, part it was very it, it
2: was very Michael Bay style sharp cut.
3: Yeah,
1: everything was too season. close,
2: yeah. Too close, too fast, I couldn't tell really what was going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like a, an invisible plane flying
0: at night with these LEDs on it, like, alright, I can't see anything.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, that, that was that was probably one of the most disappointing scenes for me, is you, Spider-Man fighting the Vulture, and you're just like, okay, what's what's going on? I see things flying around, I don't really see what's going on, someone's shooting something, and it was kind of, yeah, you know,
0: the the action yeah, sequences. I, the, the, the scene leading up to that, where uh, you know, we, the vulture collapses a building onto Spider Man, <laughs> like that—that mm-hmm. that was a great scene, and uh, for it to lead into that was a little. Oh,
2: like the way they used the villain monologue to his advantage, I think that yeah. was pretty cool. And
1: it was great, but, you know, yeah. It was great too because I really liked the line when he was like, "I see why Liz gets you or why Liz likes you." I mean, when you answered the door and I saw you, I was kind of like, "Really, this guy?" <laughs> yeah. yeah like. God, Michael Keaton, so awesome. Stick around forever, Michael Keaton, please. Don't go anywhere. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to see you disappear and then be in Lindsay Lohan movies for for a decade, right? I want you to be in. in just being as awesome as you can be, which you are Let's currently doing. That
0: shit probably won't come around again.
1: <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Or whatever the, you know, 2021 version of Lindsay Lohan happens to be, right? Like, Ari- I don't want to see him in an Ariana Grande movie in 2021, <laughs> right? Shots fired! <laughs> I got nothing against Ariana Grande. High
2: school musical seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Ari- Ariana Grande and Zendaya, very similar career paths.
1: Very true, very Zendaya true. You got started me there. Off,
2: started off as uh, Casey Undercover.
1: Now let me ask you like speaking of Zendaya since you brought her up um I mentioned earlier that people gasped and you guys mentioned in your theaters that people gasped when uh Michael Keaton Adrian Toomes opened the door as uh Laura Harris's father yeah and I I'll, I'll admit I didn't see that coming but when Zendaya at the end of the movie said my friends call me MJ There were people in my theater who freaked out and were like, oh my god, and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, come on now, people, (laughs) right? Like, you didn't (laughs) see that one. Come on. That was, was, like, not a well-guarded secret, I gotta say. Like, her going, my friends call me MJ. I was like, yeah, okay. But (laughs) but I heard, like, people freaking out in the theater. I was like, come on now. I can see, because
2: (laughs) because from my perspective, when I go into a movie like this, I try to avoid trailers and spoilers and I don't read anything about it if I see a tweet about it block the tweet or delete them and move on because I don't really want to get it um, spoiled for me but I can see you know like Her name was Michelle.
1: Yeah, they called her Michelle at one point, yeah.
2: You're thinking, because everyone on the planet, again, they know Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider, and they know Spider-Man's love interest is Mary Jane Watson. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So, I mean, it's a little bit of a
2: surprise if you haven't been paying attention, but... I don't got a problem with it, I mean...
1: No, I don't either, I just... To me, I was like, it was the most obvious thing that she was either going to say that her name was MJ or Gwen or something, right? Like, she was going to be one of those two people by the end of the movie... And when she said, my friends call me MJ, I was just like, of course they do. But a few people did the, like, oh, my God, it's Mary Jane. And I was like, come on <laughs> now, people. That was like, that was not well-guarded is what I'm saying. I did like, they
0: were supposed yeah. to, though. Because I read a lot of rumors, like, during the casting of this movie. And they're like, oh, we cast Zendaya in uh, Spider-Man. And everyone's like, is she going to be MJ? And there was, like, that whole, like, racist contingent that's like, oh, she gosh. can't be MJ. Yeah. Man. I mean... <laughs>
2: Which is totally
0: don't do with that shit at all. But no. also, I'm like, does she need to be MJ? Like, do we need an MJ in this movie? Really? No, yeah, we don't.
2: Spider Man <laughs> does not need a Mary Jane Watson because every single episode or comic or wherever where he's pining over her is the worst. It's the worst. I don't want to see him pining over MJ. And I think that's a, one of the stronger points that they had in this movie was his love interest was Liz. And it was one of it was one of those things again. He's picking between Spider Man and his love interest, and that's the central theme of Spider Man. It's am I gonna be a regular dude? I'm gonna get the hot girl. Am I gonna be a high school kid, a, a early twenties kid, or am I going to be Spider Man? And that, that was. was- a good
0: coming-of-age teen story, right? Like, you yeah, want it... to be a normal teen who does normal teen things, or does with great power comes great responsibility? You can't yeah, have I, I think
2: that's something that was lacking with, especially the Tobey Maguire one, where he was fine. Oh, I it was... Yeah,
0: I was gonna <laughs> say that's the that's the entire plot of Spider-Man too. <laughs> no, yeah. no,
2: I mean, no, because what I'm saying is. This movie had him choose very quickly, very easily to be Spider-Man, to you know throw his other life aside, and he's like, "I want to be a Avenger. I want to be Spider-Man. This is what I gotta do. It sucks, but it's my calling. I have to be Spider-Man." Where the Tobey Maguire one, it's all, all oh MJ, MJ, MJ kind of it. thing. Okay, I was gonna say, and I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't, I don't like that because. Even in like the nineties series, he picks Spider-Man all the time, and he yep. loses he loses Gwen, he loses Felicia to Michael Morbius, he loses all <laughs> of his love interests, Michael, because Michael I, love, I love the the Blade crossover. We're getting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, <man. laughs> uh, but yeah, like this is the one this is the one movie where he he loses the girl because he chooses Spider-Man. And it's, that's one well, of the and, themes and I enjoy. Consistently,
0: right? Like, there's like yeah, three absolutely. or four times when he like doesn't show up for something he's agreed to do, and it's because and he's off being Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the themes that was missing, I feel like, from the other ones, where he's just like, well, he's so focused on Spider-Man and Mary Jane, and this one is much more focused on Spider-Man and his development and the sacrifices that he's making to be Spider-Man. Well, I'm kind of down with it, right? Like, and that was my kind of reaction
0: to uh, to answer Pearson's original question from, like, 15 minutes ago. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know, how did you react when you saw that Zendaya, you know, all my friends call me uh, MJ. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, that was, yeah, like, okay, I that, guess she's... That was, that right was me, too. That, was, that was me, too. And I
2: think... The biggest problem with our society today is there's gonna be a whole whole whack ton of you She can't be MJ. MJ's a redhead, her name's Mary Jane. I don't give a sh- I don't give a no. shit. Who cares? I actually don't care
0: that again because the people who wanted to say that already said it like, you know, a year and a half ago. And uh people now are just gonna be like, hey, this was a great movie and I mean if that's my only nitpick <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean the diversity, I mean they hit you with the diversity in this cast in this thing anyway, right? Was like
2: Well, yeah. Flash Thompson was an in, was an would, Indian guy, which was yeah. fine. Who Cares. Liz was Flat his Thompson black was the, love interest. Yeah. Was <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel. That was awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and like that yeah. <laughs> Bokeem Woodbine who of of the thing that things that have happened in this movie, the disgraceful waste of the talent that is Bokeem Woodbine in this movie as the shocker is something I don't know if I'll ever be able to come to grips with. Right. (laughs)
3: Like,
1: cause like Bokeem Woodbine should be getting his own, Fucking like he should be playing one of the superheroes. (laughs) Okay, god damn it. That's what that's what Matt Pierce says. And to have him be the fucking shocker and not even be the first shocker in the movie, right? Like some other guy gets melted, yeah. Some other guy who calls himself the shocker and then he's like, Here, you're the shocker now, which is kind of funny. But then to just like, yeah. Oh God, that one was bad. But like, yeah. So like, the shocker was technically black. Flash Thompson was 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 Indian. Ned Indian, Leeds, yeah. Ned, who I assume is supposed to be Ned Leeds, even though they didn't, you know, come out and tell us, is is I don't know whatever whatever Jacob Italian Filipino
2: is. or something. Filipino or,
1: or yeah. I don't I don't want to I don't, pre- don't want to presume to know. But no. uh, but you get where I'm going with this. I, I will say I agree with your your whole Spider Man versus Peter Parker thing didn't quite hit in the uh, in in the Sam Raimi things as as much as you wanted it to and and as much as they got it in this one. But I will say this movie absolutely stole the the normal life after after I quit being Spider Man briefly during the middle of the second act montage from Spider Man Two. It, in this movie right like remember toby Maguire decides no I'm going to stop being Spider-Man too and it shows him like answering questions oh, yeah. and, when he, and when it was he like
2: loses his power yeah and whatever. it started playing
1: like raindrops keep falling on my head and it showed yeah, his yeah, like yeah. that was a great yeah. funny cop, scene he
0: goes by he's like eating a hot dog <laughs> yeah and he's
1: just like yep having a good time not helping him and then uh they did they did that in this somewhere in the middle of the second act too where he just kind of like it was at, I think it was after uh it was right after stark took the suit from him and he told him he told Marissa tomeo oh, i lost the the stark internship and stuff and he's like i'm going to go be normal and then he's like I'm going to go to detention and detention's going to be fine. And then I'm going to ask the girl, you know, out on a date and like, Hey, she asked, and we're going to the prom. And now I'm doing this montage of Marissa Tomei and high-waisted pants, teaching me how to dance for the, like, for the, for, for this thing. It was, it was quite like, it was absolutely lifted from the pages of, of, uh, or lifted from the film, if you will, of the, uh, the Spider-Man two thing. um,
0: not quite as corny, but... Yeah, Not Sam quite R- as corny,
1: but, like, obviously Sam Raimi was going for ultra-corny during that. To, yeah, to the that point where he did Sam
0: the... Because he
1: did the freeze frame, right? <laughs> like, like, there was the range, and then Toby regarded, like, the full-smile freeze frame. It was... I remember just losing my shit <laughs> when they did that. No, I thought that's that, classic Sam Raimi. Yeah, like I thought that... Cheese. True. Yeah, I thought that sequence was brilliant. um Do you feel like... I mean, one of the biggest complaints people had from watching the trailers, and I'll cite the Medellin corollary on this thing, which is just don't fall for the trailers. Um, you know, because they show a lot, but they don't show everything, and sometimes they show too much. In, in this case, they showed a little bit too much, I think. But they really made it feel like Iron Man 4 in the trailers. Did you feel like they you got the a little too much, the proper amount, or not enough of Tony Stark? Let's start with uh, Miller.
2: Um, I think Miller... Oh, let's start with you then, KB. Go ahead. Um, so, that was one of my biggest fears going into this movie, was yeah. all of the the trailers and info we got was Tony Stark is going to be a pivotal part of this movie, and I'm, I didn't want it. I didn't want Tony Stark there all the time. I didn't want him bailing Spider-Man out, and I didn't want him taking over the movie. But... He was very, very underplayed, which was nice. I didn't want you know Iron Man being a pivotal character and he wasn't and it was a, a nice refresher because that was I thought I was gonna hate this movie because I'm like oh, they're gonna they're gonna destroy it. they're gonna have Tony Stark and like Spider-Man in so many scenes and he just he popped up once or twice, threw in a couple of quips and it was good. I think they handled it really well with the universe that they're going for where Iron Man is the leader of the Avengers and he's recruiting different superheroes for his own gain and for the Avengers' gain, and I think it was done really well.
1: Yeah, I thought it was I, – I, I, I thought they used him sparing. Apparently that one sequence where he was, like, talking to uh... – Uh, where he was talking to Spider-Man in the suit after he, like, dug him out of the... after he was drowning and one of the suits picked him up and, uh, you know, drug Spider-Man out of the water from nearly drowning the first time. And, like, as he's talking to him, he was, like, in India at a wedding. Apparently that was true. Apparently... Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was actually at a wedding, and I don't know—they filmed it with like a GoPro cam or
0: something. <laughs> him, <laughs>
1: him being at this at this wedding, and they're like, "Let's just like take a camera with you, just record these two scenes." And these, and they just use it. And I just I I thought that was funny. as hell yeah. how did you feel, Miller, about uh, about um, the amount of Tony Stark he got?
0: I I'm, well, we watched like the trailers. Um, for like a two and a half minute trailer, I think <laughs> Tony Stark was in like a minute and a half of them. Mhm, which definitely made it seem like oh this is going to be Iron Man four featuring Spider Man. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's not at all what the movie was, and I actually feel like it was a com- like a we talk about bad trailers all the time with your median cor- corollary, but I mean like that was a complete disservice of a trailer mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and that's one of the big ways. Um, I mean I wasn't disappointed. Don't get me wrong, but it def- definitely definitely uh, played as a different type of movie right there's even a shot from the trailer that they never had in the movie which yeah, it was the, the two of them flying
1: right spider-man
0: yeah. swinging and iron man flying alongside him which made it seem like oh this is it gonna be like a buddy cop sort of thing right? mm-hmm. <laughs> and that never fucking happened and i'm grateful for it i'm grateful for the fact that john favreau got three times the screen time that that, that yeah <laughs> it's good to see him back
1: did you know did you guys notice gwyneth paltrow got third billing
0: Yeah, what was
1: what was that about? Oh, good lord! A minute and
0: a half that she was on screen.
1: (laughs) I mean, it was kind of nice to see her again. Like, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Gwyneth Paltrow in, you know, uh, in real life as as a human being, uh, a little full of herself. But
0: uh, so that's fake medical advice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a big.
0: Kind
1: of a scumbag. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big issue with me. But anyway, that's not what people come here. To, people don't want to hear us talk about that. Um, but yeah, it was kind of nice to see her back because um, like it was kind of weird in the Civil War when he like he did the thing where like he sees her name and that thing when he's given that address in front of the Harvard students or MIT students or whoever they were supposed to be, and then yeah. it was like, oh look at <laughs> look at Tony struggling with Gwyneth Paltrow's contract issues, right? And then. <laughs> So yeah, she's back. I just I couldn't believe she got third billing in the credits. I was like, You gotta be fucking well, kidding Donald me. Donald
0: Glover, I think, was fifth.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, at the same time yeah. who doesn't love Donald Glover. Plus Donald Glover released the best television show of the last like five, six years with Atlanta this year, so let's give Donald Glover some credit here. Let, let
0: let's give him Well listen, I'll give Donald Glover yeah. credit forever. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I actually think that he pulled together my, uh, sort of, uh, you know, guy just trying to fly under the radar sort of thesis of this movie. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> kind of good, kind of bad. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about some of the, some of the in-depth comic characters in this one. So the Ned character, we mentioned, uh, Jacob Battalion or Battalion. I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name. Um, I thought he was quite excellent. Got a lot of screen time though. I thought, uh, they called him Ned. Not sure if he's supposed to be Ned Leeds or not. They might be saving that reveal or deciding whether or not they want to do that. Um, Ned Leeds well, in the Was His
0: last name in the like IMDb.
1: No, IMDb, and I, they just listed him as Ned in the movies, and 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 uh, he's Ned on IMDb. Well, they did the same thing with uh, Laura Harrer and, and Liz, right? Because Liz Allen is another character in the comic books. Uh, Ned Allen, Ned Leeds never made it into the. Uh, the 90s Spider-Man from our generation, but Liz Allen did. Liz Allen was like Mary Jane's best friend in the comic books or in the comic books in the nineties animated series. And in the comic books, she was an early high school love interest for Peter. So they, they stayed true to that. But uh, yeah, I remember in the nineties animated, she was some, she was just like Mary Jane's best friend who worked at the coffee shop that they would frequent. And then I think she had a relationship with Harry Osborn after a while. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've yeah,
2: watched that series. Yeah, she was series. with Osborn for a little bit. Yeah. Um, she wasn't very... Like, she disappeared after a little while because obviously Mary Jane maybe yeah. or maybe not gets thrown into another universe and whatever.
1: Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ned Leeds never made it into the uh, comic book. He gets married to Betty Brant, though. Like, him and... In the comic books, him and Peter, Peter both work at the Bugle and they fight over... Or they don't fight, but they... They, uh, They feud over Betty Brant and then... Peter Parker eventually does the thing where he's like well I can't be with Betty because I need to be Spider-Man and it'll be too dangerous for her so Ned marries Betty Brant in the comic books and then that was
0: the one name I recognized
1: <laughs> yeah and Betty Brant got a got a little message in this uh, starting her uh, getting to jump on her uh journalism career i guess with the uh right. like doing those weird interstitials for the like high school whatever they were uh no, just the
0: first bit right at the beginning of the movie when the dude's like hey betty will you go to homecoming with me she's like i'm already going with someone he's just like
1: <laughs> yeah oh <aww. laughs> he's just devastated just yeah that's good
0: the camera, <laughs>
1: yeah uh yeah, they, Flash Thompson, we obviously had. And, like, this new generation Flash Thompson where he's no longer, like, a a, a bro bully. He's, like, more of an internet troll bully, right? Like, where he's just, like... <laughs> and, I mean, like, we're going to look back in this movie. They said penis an awful lot in this film for it to be a kid movie, didn't they? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Do yeah. you, know you know
0: how much of a dick this Flash Thompson was? He was making fun of Peter when he was no longer even at that party. Yeah, like that's. <laughs> like, that's a real dick move. Like, I'm not even here to hear your insults, guy. Yeah,
1: exactly. And he did the thing where he was like, save my trophy. <laughs> As he was just like. And then like,
0: like Tom, you didn't even answer a question, you dick. As of the interrogation, I'm going to need your car. And he like <laughs> screams it because it doesn't have the, the, mod, the voice modifier anymore. He just <laughs> yeah. I need your car. Technically, this is my dad's car. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a funny sequence too. When he's like, I don't
0: know how to drive. I've only been in parking lots with Aunt May, and he's like
1: <laughs> swerving so for was no he reason.
0: Yeah, before that, when like Flash is driving his like day to the per- to the homecoming, and he's like, Sorry, babe, sorry we had to leave dinner, but like, oh, <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, <laughs> I, I don't he, know. He, 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 he said something like they weren't food.
1: honoring my reservation or something like that. It was some ultra lot like sleazebag line, but I yeah. kind sounded like he
0: was given his food and found it wanting, and then like demanded that they leave.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was so bad. Uh they had uh oh god, what's his face was playing the tinkerer, Phineas Mason. Michael Chernus was there as uh was there as Phineas Mason, just making all the vultures. So they at least explained why somebody was making all this tech for these guys, right? Yeah. Um there was the not so subtle Scorpion reference, but I forgave it because they had Michael Mandel from Better Call Saul. As it and I'm glad he got a line in the post-credit scene because I was like, are they really gonna short Michael Mandel a, or <laughs> a line? They're not even gonna give him a line. Okay. Come on now.
0: Yeah, I, I was wondering if that was the scorpion. Okay. What the yeah, giant scorpion it, neck tattoo didn't give it away. With the
2: tattoo. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, they kind of disfigured his face, so he looks a little bit like the scorpion. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not so deep
0: into Spider-Man lore that I picked it up immediately. But at least uh, it was enough for me to guess. Well, it. As soon just as, yeah, as soon they, as
2: I saw that tattoo, I'm like, oh, that's
0: a scorpion. Well,
1: because they also had the line where they were like we're pulling the mac gargan we they're like he says something like we got the mac gargan job tomorrow or something right and then we'll figure yeah. out what we're gonna do right and i was like oh and i didn't think we'd actually see that sequence like i didn't think the like mac gargan was gonna be on the thing but then like michael mandow was standing there and he had the the like not so subtle foreshadowing of the scorpion neck tattoo and then he walks up and he goes like mac and i was like oh so we're actually seeing him here and then uh, yeah we saw him in the post credit scene with uh, yeah, you know, uh, kind of setting up like a future potential vulture Spider-Man team up against the Insidious 6, who knows, maybe we'll get there. Uh, I really enjoyed Hannibal Burris. <laughs> like Hannibal Burris I think to me had had the funniest one <laughs> had the funniest one-liner in the entire movie with the the Chris Evans like interstitial yeah, uh what I'm do you call sure, him Pretty oh sure God. he's an
3: international criminal
2: now, but yeah, know, I got to you this
1: anyway. That, <laughs> that was so <laughs> good. that was so good. Yeah, he goes, "All right, that was Captain America telling you to get after it in gym class. Uh, yeah. pretty sure he's a war criminal now, but whatever." And like he was standing on the wrong side of the TV yeah. when he does you the know, like
3: right.
1: your, gym, your gym teacher and he was standing on the wrong side of the TV. It's oh my just,
0: God. Yeah. My favorite Chris Evans interstitial was the turn the chair around. So, you're yeah. in detention. Yeah, That's <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, turn the chair uh... around. I died. I died.
1: Yeah, because he he did the let me turn the chair around so you know I'm your best friend during this
0: moment, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, let's wrap.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, super deep uh, reference with Kenneth Kenneth Choi as Principal Marita. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but like he was basically. Uh,
0: was he one of the Howling Commandos kids? Is that the little yeah? Little that
1: or like grandchild, grandchild? Uh, I assume based on you know like the fact that World War II was you know a couple generations earlier. But he played
3: yeah.
0: he okay. played
1: Jim Mor- Morita, the first who was in the first Avenger, the Howling yep. Commandos. And there was a photo of like th- there was that photo of uh, Captain America yeah, and the Howling Commandos. The
0: captain, I'm like, yeah, was a photo of i Captain. like, oh okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it was there. So presumably he he's like you know the grandfather of Jim Morita. And it did say like Principal Morita on his little name plaque there so that was yeah, that think was a fun that's little, one of the uh...
2: things that they've been doing really really well yeah. lately is the subtle details tying everyone together yeah and besides that the cute little cameos that everyone's been playing like the hannibal burris the mm-hmm. donald glover the, the small parts that have been given to kind of bigger actors just mm-hmm. because you know for funsies i think it's really cool to see all those tiny details like the picture on the wall and what others all that other stuff yeah i think that's really cute for the guys like us who like notice those tiny details who have been wanting since the first goddamn spider-man when they showed doc connors to know what's going on next because they throw you those little cool details Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: well it's it's interesting for me especially with like something like because the mcu is super deep but i've always been a bigger dc fan like even spider-man which is like a big thing from our youth in the 90s and so on like i was never a big fan of that show i didn't watch it religiously like you like you guys did but like i, I always know enough from watching these type of movies to know when a reference is being made even if i don't understand it 100 yeah, percent.
2: yeah it's one of those things where you see they kind of focus on something, and you're like, hey, that probably means something, and then you go to the Google machine, and you find out a little bit more, and that's they do that yeah. really well, I think.
0: There were a few things I wanted to look up like directly after the movie, and I'm like, I know this is something. I'm pretty sure this guy is this guy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But I wanted to actually, like, have that conversation on the podcast. And so far, I've been confirmed right on everything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, a few things I missed entirely. But, like, the Scorpion and uh, Aaron Davis and so on.
1: Yeah, the Aaron Davis is for, like, because that's the ultimate Spidey. Like, that's, that's somewhat recent, right? Like, that's not uh, old. And the Miles Morales Spider-Man was created based on the Donald Glover thing. Like, when Donald Glover was trying to, back in 2014 or... Whenever whatever Spider Man eventually became Andrew Garfield, back when the internet was campaigning for Donald Glover,
0: that was like what huge fan petition.
1: Yeah, that was that was what spawned the uh, that was what spawned the the whole. Uh, Miles, that that was what eventually led to Miles Morales being created, is the half Latino, half Black Spider Man, right? Was yeah. someone eventually said, "Well, if I can't get a Black Spider Man in the movies, fuck it, I'll create it in the comic books." And well, they, and yeah, and good on everybody who who, who did that, right? I don't, I don't want to cast aspersions because I don't know, but I have heard that I I might have heard this on like Kevin Smith's podcast or something, but when Sony signed over the rights to Marvel to let or to Disney to let them use them in the MCU. I believe they had rumor has it, and again I you know preface that this is a rumor. I'm not saying that this is gospel, so don't fucking get after me at this. But uh Sony had a bunch of things that they were like, okay, we're only handing it off to you if you do this, 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 and this. And allegedly one of the things that they said was that No matter what happens spider-man peter parker has to be w-h-i-t-e white 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 is is what i is what people have heard and it's what i've heard other people on the internet say i don't want to cast aspersions but if that's true it's kind of (laughs) deplorable that's all i've got to say yeah but uh yeah yeah, that's not great and also if it is true, I'm glad they at least went well. If we can't make Peter Parker any of the color, let's make every fucking character that, like, around him a different ethnicity instead, just to really stick it to yeah, him. It was, it yeah, it was
0: nice to see a superhero comic, uh, movie where, like, white people, there were, like, four of them. Yeah. Uh... Even Michael Keaton was in an interracial marriage, which made that twist, you know, you yeah, Exactly. Uh...
1: Uh, just one last thing, and then we'll, we'll move on because I got a couple of topics I want to get out of here, and we're already uh, pretty long on this pod. But um, how did you feel? Let's start with KB. How did you feel about Aunt May? Even though I thought it was pretty hilarious, how did you feel about Aunt May figuring out who Spider Man was blatantly in the at the end of the movie, <laughs> at
0: the very I, last? Yeah,
2: I, I think I think it's it's fresh and I like it. I yeah. mean, you've it's it's the same thing with Spider Man and Superman. Yeah, you've got the greatest. To, um a reporter in the world who can't figure out that Peter Par us right. Ooh, now. yeah,
1: they've subverted that That's, a little bit in, in yeah. recent in, in recent iterations and, of Superman. Imagine, right? And I mean if you're things, gonna make yeah.
2: if you're gonna make Aunt May so young and we, not like the older Aunt May who's you know kind of senile and old, you're gonna tell me that she's gonna live in the yeah. same house as Spider Man and never figure it out? But, and ne- like the amount of times, let's let's be honest, we're all men here. The amount of times that you've almost been caught with yourself in the bedroom, you don't think that she's gonna catch him <laughs> once or twice in the Spider Man suit? Come
1: oh my my! Like if I tried to have a secret identity, like my wife would figure it out in about three fucking seconds. Oh, yeah. Like exactly. like yeah, and like you're... there'd be no. But like my my thing is just like the because the, the big thing that they've always done in Spider Man and like one of the greatest. Uh, uh, and this is another great Ditko reference, but the death of Aunt May that they did, right? When Aunt May was on her deathbed and revealed, like...
0: She always knew.
1: Yeah, that she always knew he was Peter Parker, because basically it's like... And the gist of it was always, what am I, an idiot? <laughs> right? Like, she was just like, yeah. I just... She's just like, I ignored it because you... Or like, I chose to semi-ignore it because I knew that you were doing good in this world and who am I to tell you to stop doing that, right? And yeah. it was, it was just like... It's, it's for her to just actually blatantly at the end of the movie just go what the fuck and then like and have, <laughs> and have her have her find out like that a little off brand but you know I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it in in the next MCU Spidey movie that we get because I'm not at all juiced for this Venom universe they're trying to launch on, oh, no, on no. Fox good lord what a bad idea um, here's what I'll say this this will. This will be my final my final thing. I'll say that this is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. Not by far, though, but definitely my favorite Spider-Man movie. I think it, I think I think Spider-Man Two is still close to it, um, and I still think the best sequence in any Spider-Man movie is the train sequence from Spider-Man Two. That's that's what I'll say. I I just wire to wire great sequence.
0: I tend to agree, but I don't know if I'll ever watch Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies again, <laughs>
1: you know? I would watch Spider-Man 2, that would be it. Because Spider-Man 1, um, trying to watch it now, it's especially that first hour, because, again, you're doing origin stories, which we've been, you know, ripping on for... Uh, a little bit now. <laughs> not great. Uh, yeah, because it takes forever to get going because i got to do the origin story, and I'll never ever watch any of the Andrew Garfield. And I'll be honest, I don't blame it. I don't blame it. Do you guys blame Andrew Garfield for where, what went on in The Amazing Spider-Man? I don't, because I think it was just bad scripts, don't you? I've, when you I've...
2: get cast as a character like that, yeah. when in the, the way movies were at that time, and the universe that was building, and you've got... Everyone competing against each other and people throwing money at the screen. Mm-hmm. You can't say no. You, no, you I, and like you can't, you can't pull a um, a Batman and Robin where you're, you just trash the movie and say it's garbage and whatever. You're not, you're hmm. not that George Clooney type person who can do that. And I mean, everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to work. And I mean, the first one wasn't bad. The second one was a train wreck. I mean, you can't
1: you I can't write the movie. Yeah, I blame it more on the script than I do on on Andrew Garfield. Absolutely, I think, I, I think Andrew Garfield got a raw deal with this with the whole Spider Man, the Amazing Spider Man series. Right? Every
2: good actor has been in a shitty movie. It happens. Yes, yeah. it's not his fault. I don't blame him. I blame the writers. I blame Sony. Yeah,
1: I just, I, I, I the same
2: boat.
1: Yeah, I just think for some reason he the internet unfairly lumps a lot of it on it because they always refer to it like oh the Andrew Garfield Spider Man's right and it was just like Andrew Garfield was decent in even in like amazing spider-man 2 when <laughs> which was shit uh even then i i still thought he was a, a, a delight and it was just yeah i'm just i i feel like there's been this referendum of because obviously we with this tom holland thing a lot of people are, are planting their flag as tom holland is the greatest movie spider-man of all time which he may or may not be depending on how you how you feel but uh yeah that that that's just uh just fan, it, it, like I just I don't like that Andrew Garfield just kind of gets thrown into this lumped into this shit pile just because like I don't blame him for for the shittiness of those movies I blame the the scripts and the stupid ideas for villains. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's it uh, as far as our Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, quick thing. Uh, what do you grade this out of ten, Miller?
0: Uh, I give it an eight five. Hmm. It's not perfect. There are a couple minor things that I think could have been done a lot better, but it was just a fun movie. I was laughing kind of constantly through the entire thing. Like, it was probably the funniest MCU movie we've had so far. Um, It's either
1: that or the first Guardians, I think.
0: And, like, I want to come
1: back. You know what? I want to do, I don't remember exactly what I said. I think I said 7, 5, or 8 for Guardians 2. The more I think about it, and I need to rewatch it again. But the more I've thought about it ever since we did that pod, Guardians of the Galaxy Two might have been a bad movie, like a bad movie. And and I just I and I think I we just got blinded by the fact that those characters are so enjoyable, and the fact that we just love spending time with those characters. I think blind might it may have blinded me to the fact that like I could watch those char- those characters do anything. And I just may have because I. The more I think about Guardians Two, especially plot wise and some of the things that happen. I
2: well, it, we said I, that in the pod. We I said think it was might a, a little movie. bit weak, generic plot, but we love the characters in the universe so much that it takes away. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. They could. You could have an entire movie of them on the toilet. It would yeah. be fine.
1: Yeah, it's just I. The more I thought about it, the more And I don't want to get into a whole thing because we'll be here for another half hour. But man, I just the more I think about. Uh, Guardians, Guardians two, the more the more I I just find it rife with plot holes, just absolutely rife with plot holes. Like like, yeah, just big big like plot holes you could drive trucks through. We, we'll have we'll have to do a a, a a redux on Guardians two after I see I it sure a second time. Yeah. yeah, um, well, how about you, KB? Out of ten,
2: I'm gonna give it a solid eight. Loved the introduction of Flash Thompson, who hasn't really been a pivotal. <laughs> pivotal in the movies i think if they do with him um what they're doing it's going to be great he's a good character for the spider-man universe was kind of on the fence about not having a J. Jonah jameson but i think they did very good job with that well, it's not time for um, him yet though it's not it's not and they did you know what every other movie's had a J. Jonah jameson and i mean this one succeeded crazily well without it
1: and this
2: so, I'm, I'm not interested
1: and this this yeah, version guys, quite frankly this Spider-Man was a menace he was running around destroying everybody's backyard in that one I, sequence I know exactly so, <laughs> I mean, I know,
2: exactly. Like and I mean it, pictures of Spider-Man yeah that, right, lead, like, that leads in that leads into a pretty decent uh Jonah Jameson thing yeah I mean the Flash Thompson character hates Peter Parker and loves Spider-Man. You kind of saw that in this movie. I think they were doing a really good job with the the side characters. So I really enjoyed that. Tom Holland was phenomenal. Michael Keaton, phenomenal. I mean, for me, again, this is definitely the best Spider-Man movie. Eight out of 10. And I'm very harsh on movies. So eight out of 10 is pretty good for me.
1: Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm sitting there. I'm I'm in the exact same boat. I'm at an eight out of 10 and I'm, I'm in the boat for all of this shit too. Right. So, you know, like you're, you pretty much put anything in front of me. I'm going to watch it. Although that's a great segue into our next thing. Cause this might be the first thing that I am absolutely not in the boat for, um, the Inhumans trailer I'm not trailer,
2: even on the same continent yeah, for this the, the, shit. This the, looks like a piece of garbage. The Inhumans trailer
1: dropped so a couple weeks ago.
2: Bad. It so before does we get right into great. it, I am so glad that you guys agree
0: with me. <laughs> yeah, this
1: looks so Here's so, my question though. Here's the question I want to ask. Because right now the only thing since since we've had this renaissance, the only thing that has been outright canceled and unfortunately it happened because I love this show was the NBC attempting to do a comedy The Powerless got canceled right after 10 episodes yeah. or something which sucked because it was a good show it's just they didn't add, I I and I blame it on the fact that no I, I feel like nobody knew it was out there. To be perfectly honest with you, nobody no, knew it I, was out honestly,
2: there. Honestly, I hadn't heard of it until you told me about it. Yeah, uh, it they, was
1: didn't, good, they didn't.
0: They didn't. Rocky, and it would have. Yeah, it would have been great if given a second season. Yeah,
1: they were they were hitting their stride though was the thing right and it's like out.
0: What I'm saying it was like first season TNG where it's like weird. Yeah, but as soon as it got a second season, it would have been fantastic. And right? think about how crappy. It? Think about we still
2: we still have to do the uh, fantasy draft pod. For yeah. Superheroes.
1: The superhero fantasy draft, yeah. And which was a, a concept that they made up in that show was was like that yeah. they that they did like they had fantasy football league but with superheroes and you would draft uh, yeah. Oh god, they, they had such a great sequence where what there was, was a guy. It? I don't remember now. <laughs> well there was a guy doing it was just they were like watching it was, it was friggin' Danny Putty and uh Oh god, Ron. what's his name? That hilarious Ron Funches. Ron Funches, thank you. We're sitting there and they're like eating popcorn and watching this guy basically do uh, you know, fantasy updates for this li- league and he says something like he's basically talking like a talk like a sports talking head, and he goes Listen, we all know Superman is capable of saving the entire planet, but some weeks he only saves Lois Lane, and that's the type of risk you take if you draft <laughs> Superman high. And I was just like, and just as a sports fan and a guy who used to play fantasy football before it ruined everything before I gotta hate fantasy football. But like, anyway, that's not here nor there. And, and just like like that is a brilliant fucking joke. And then like later on, they call back to that same guy, and he says something like. Well, looks like the reverse flash threw the regular flash into the speed force. He's going to be out for a while, guys. And, and Danny Puddy was like, no, I drafted him.
0: Like in an alternate dimension for the rest of the season or something.
1: Yeah, so it was basically like an injury, right? It's like when your guy gets a high ankle sprain and misses four weeks, right? It was like god like that's the only thing so that far it,
0: cause, since because in that first scene they were like joking like i think uh ron Funches has got the flash in round one or something like something that. like, like oh, that the Flash!
1: <laughs> yeah and but man it was just like like so so far powerless is the only thing since we started this tv wise it's the only thing and, and even stuff like agents of shield probably should have been canceled after the th- third season but it soldiered on and actually had a really good like, the last season was actually was a lot of fun and, and had a lot of really good shit in it. But, you know, it, it looked like it was going to get canceled there for a while, but they they soldiered on and, and, and got a really decent season out of it. Obviously, all, it of the, good. Yeah, all of the DC shows have been good. And even Black Lightning looks like it's a lot of fun. Or
3: Supervolt,
0: if you
1: will. <laughs> the power of electricity in his pants. Boy, if you get that joke, then... Uh... You're, you're listening to the right podcast I bet I you want of like
0: five people in the, yeah.
1: in the country that get that so good uh, shout out to Phil Lamar uh, but this Inhumans trailer boy this looks terrible and they don't have the legs because honestly the Inhumans don't have a big ass following so I ask you two gentlemen does this show get cancelled or does it
2: enjoy a prosperous five, six, seven year run it's going to get cancelled.
1: There's no so? way. You're staking it's, your flag.
2: They're trying, to me, they're trying to be Marvel Game of Thrones. And it's it's obvious in their choice of Ewan uh, Rion mm-hmm. or Rowan or however you say his name, they cast him specifically because they want to be superhero Game of Thrones. He's trying to take over the kingship of the Inhumans.
1: And he's literally playing Maximus the Mad, <laughs> right?
2: For yeah, God's sake. And I mean... Like, <laughs> that's what they're trying to be and history shows that when you try to copy something you're never going to be as good and no one's going to like it i mean ABC, does abc have the audience for this is that what is that what their audience I mean, wants like be. i get the cw i get the cw shows because they have the the teen drama romance in them the, with the flash and the arrow they have the teen drama stuff that the cw audience enjoys and
0: but the cw is a soap opera network
2: yeah. yeah, exactly. Or it's a but teen this, drama, this yeah. to me, this to me, as a comic book fan, it screams that Marvel is trying to do X Men, but they don't have the rights for X Men, so they're like, "Well, what's the closest thing?" Yeah. Oh, the Inhumans.
1: It's something they've been well, doing for the do last. That. Yeah, it's something they've been doing for the last eight years. is basically since they don't have the rights to. The at least movie wise, they don't have the rights to the X Men. They have been slowly trying to replace them with the Inhumans over the last like eight years, especially in yeah. comic books. And, and no
2: one's no one's taking it. No one's buying yeah. it. Yeah, and they
1: even did it in in like seasons two, three of uh, a Agents Shield. of Shield. And that was the thing that nearly killed Agents of Shield. Right? Was was trying to like oh these guys like half of our agents aren't even agents. They're they're Inhumans now, and it's like oh man, that's not.
2: Yeah, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. They're trying to fill they're trying to fill the X-Men void within humans, and it's not working because no one knows who they are. I barely know who they are. Yeah. And it's they're try, they're they're thinking along the lines of, "Oh, hey, Guardians of the Galaxy weren't known very well and they're doing mm-hmm. well."
0: This was exactly the only point that I had if I can say from that KB. Um I don't know who the fuck the Inhumans are. <laughs> I didn't know who the fuck the Guardians of the Galaxy were either, but at least they put together a trailer that made their movie look fun. This looks boring and grim and I don't want to watch it. Yeah, yeah, but we, yeah, we did,
1: again, we gotta cite the Medellin Corollary, which is you know, you. I mean, you're not supposed to judge a book by by its cover, although and I agree with that on a metaphorical level but for actual books, the cover is what tells you what's inside the book. Uh, but yeah, this it, I it's sur- it,
0: I would say it's subverted though, Pierce, yeah. because the median corollary is that when you put all of the best, most interesting stuff in a trailer, and yeah, have a boring movie, it falls short of expectations. Exactly, this was a yeah. boring trailer. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think that well, if that's their best, then I'm not interested. Yeah, and like, if I that's mean, what's supposed to gain my interest to even watch one episode of this, I kind of don't care.
1: And like, even I admit that I have very base. Like, I don't claim to be a big Inhumans mark. Like, I I know the very base points of the storyline. Like Maximus the Mad is is Black Bolt's brother, and he tries to do the you know the thing where he overthrows him as the king of his people and Medusa is there, and Medusa has, like, magic hair, but it's, like, not snake hair. Like, in Greek mythology, it's, like, magic hair, and there's a dog named Lockjaw, and Black Bolt can't really talk because his whispers could shatter the Hulk's bones in canon of the uh, the, the, the show, or in canon of the show, in canon of the comics. <laughs> but, man, the show... I, I don't even know what they're going to do to be able to make it so that the main character who you're supposed to be invested in can fucking talk because black Bolt in the co- in the comic books is mostly just a thought or a speech bubble with three dots right <laughs>
2: like, yeah and, if he speaks, and from what kill i've things. read like i i tried to do due diligence and read up yeah a little bit on them all it all it is is oh hey they're filler characters that show up when they need extra people to fight more powerful people yeah and like
1: And Lockjaw the dog who
2: showed up in it. Like that was the
1: highlight of the trailer for me was Lockjaw the dog showed up with that stupid like uh, tuning fork symbol that Black Bolt has on his fucking dome. And Lockjaw Mm -hmm. is the same thing and it's like... uh... Lacho would have one of the most bad, because basically it looks like Bullseye's
3: <laughs> like...
1: It looks like Bullseye's, <laughs> like, comic get-up, oh my God. but, but with a fucking tuning fork on the fucking, <laughs> like, forehead.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, just, he looks... Man. The dog looks to be the saving point of the series, because it looks like they're gonna give him a lot of emotion and...
1: Stuff <laughs> <tough> to do. <laughs> you know,
2: yeah. But oh my god, does this look terrible? It looks Man. terrible. I mean,
1: I'll give it a shot. I'll give anything a shot. But I gotta tell you, if they they, they better hook me early with the fucking inhuman show, otherwise yeah, I, there better be there be better be a
2: out. good first episode or first two episodes. Because
1: I I tell you, I struggle through most of Agents of Shield, and and like I I try, but I don't know the thing the thing, the Agents of Shield. The fact that the agents nothing surprises the agents of Shield in that show has always pissed me off. Where like. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. never recognized the this threatening situation as being a threatening situation. Like, they always, like
0: They're always always super smug about everything. Yeah, right they're, s-
1: they're so smug about everything. And anytime, Like, someone could have a gun in their face and be squeezing the trigger. And whichever Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. character will just sit there like, I'm in total control of the situation right now. And it's like, at least acknowledge that there's a gun in your face that could kill you if it goes off. And to the point where the last scene we saw in the last episode was... And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I know you guys haven't seen it, but basically the last, the last scene of the, whatever the last season of agents of shield was, I don't know if it was four or five, but, uh, the agents of shield are sitting in like a diner. They're all at the counter of a diner, basically waiting for, to get taken away by, you know, government officials for whatever. And then the diner goes black and then comes back on. And you know they're surrounded by you know jackbooted thugs in, in full SWAT armor with guns pointed at them, and they do like the whole like <laughs> cool entrance or something like that. Like they don't even acknowledge that these people are about to drag them away and take them to wherever. And then, <clears throat> so then the like so then the lights go off again and it come back on and everybody's disappeared. And then we go through the credits, and then after the credits are over, they do they they set you up for the next season. And Phil Coulson looks to be in a prison, right? And he's got like a prison jumpsuit on and he's kind of like lacing up his boots and he goes to this thing and he pushes a button and it does like the Star Wars wipe where the the windows open and Phil Coulson is in space. He's on like a spaceship for some reason just staring back at Earth through the vacuum of space and he says something like all right Phil that's enough sightseeing get back to work and then leaves and it's like. (laughs) Fucking acknowledge that you're in space. You mu- like like like. What are you doing? Like I realize you. <laughs> I realize you've seen some shit. In in as Phil Coulson, but it's like at least acknowledge that this is fucked up, right? At least acknowledge that it's fucked up that you're in space right now. Like just like pretend to seem relatable. What like none of the agents of Shield are relatable in one iota because everything is just like they act like everything's old hat to them, and it's just it's it's so. Yeah, it just it just irritates me because like even because like here's the thing, like I watch sports. LeBron James does awesome blocks and dunks all the time, but like when LeBron James does his next awesome dunk or block, I'm I'm not gonna go like oh like like if LeBron does an awesome like or like if uh, buzzer beaters right like he's made a bunch of buzzer beaters. The next time he makes a buzzer beater, I'm not gonna go. Oh, that's old hat. Here we go
0: again. <laughs> yeah, here we go
1: again. LeBron, buzzer beater, who knows? Like, I'm going to go, oh, he
2: did it again, right? And it's just like, oh, crazy. But it's just
1: the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., nothing nothing faces them. They've seen well, it all, they're, they're apparently. Like,
2: they're, they're reacting like Steph Curry hitting a three.
1: Yeah,
0: but it's, it's just like, man. Well, it sounds like they're just completely unrelatable, right? Like, yeah. what's supposed to be your entry point into that show yeah. if everyone knows everything and you're not, like, they're not reacting the way they should to anything? <laughs> yeah, just...
1: Awful. Just absolutely awful. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not in the bag for the Inhumans trailer, but I'll, I'll at least watch the pilot, I gotta say. So I think that's it for this week uh, with uh, uh, talking podcasts and stuff. So we'll be back next week. Next week, we're doing, I think, a double uh, TV feature. We'll be back on the TV because we'll do Game of Thrones starts uh, this Sunday. It's only like four or five days away, so... Uh, oh God, that's so close, I forgot. Yeah, we'll be, we'll watch... Uh, oh my God, I forgot the game! Oh my God, I forgot the game! So we'll likely have yes. some of our usual suspects, probably not everybody, but we'll have some of the usual Game of Thrones people on to dissect the first episode of uh, Are Season 7.
2: you in the seven. rotation for that
1: this year? I imagine he will be. If, if he yeah, can make yay. it, yeah. we'll, 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 ha- we'll have people in, we'll
2: have people in yeah, for blah, blah, the, uh... you'll have me on when i comes back and murder some people.
1: Yeah. 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 We'll definitely,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> we'll definitely have people on. And then, uh, we haven't talked about bachelor. So likely we'll do, uh, an episode where the first half is, uh, talking a little game of Th- dissecting the latest episode of game of thrones. And then, uh, the hometown dates are this week on the Bachelorette, so we'll probably bring Craig and Jess on and talk about the uh, talk about the Hometown dates of Bachelorette. So a double T V pod, uh, from uh, from the Crossover Podcast next week. Half Bachelorette, half Game of Thrones. So uh, that said, Crossover Podcast available at thecrossoverpodcast.com, com, Facebook.com slash the We're on soundcloud.com slash crossover podcast. No the for that one. Uh, Twitter account at MPR6. I just use my my own Twitter account for the show because I'm too fucking lazy to start a new one and it's annoying to run two Twitter accounts I'm sorry it just is and uh, contact us uh, email address give us feedback uh, contact at the crossover podcast dot com please send email feedback whatever you got uh, iTunes we're available on iTunes as well please uh, rate and subscribe need those five star reviews everybody and uh yeah got some uh we might have so can't say anything now but we got some uh, there, there may be some stuff in works that uh has to do with the future of the crossover podcast that i'm pretty excited can't talk about it now though but uh that's what we call a tease in this particular business ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so uh there it is uh kb and kevin miller fan, uh, fantastic excellent excellent job by you guys on the spider-man homecoming review I'm excited to see more Tom Holland. Uh, thank you very much, you guys. And As am I. We'll uh, talk to you Why next time. Maybe we'll talk to you guys next week on the on the uh, Game of Thrones pod. Who knows? I don't even know maybe, who's going to be on that one. We'll figure it out. Uh, take care, guys, and we'll see you next time on the crossover podcast. Spider Man.
0: Spider Man. Whatever a spider can Spins a web of any size Catches thieves just like flies Look out, here comes the Spider-Man